What is up? It's March. It's March Madness time, people. The sick man is back. We are at week 11. 11, one of my lucky numbers. So this this podcast, this specific one, should be a good one because we have a lot of stuff to discuss. And we are going to be talking, we'll be breaking down the Southwest and Central Division. But first, we're going to head out West. Well, to Middle America and the Southwest. And we are going to check in with the Dallas Mavericks. In the heart of Texas. Heart of Jay Wild. That's Texas basketball. <laughs> Texas basketball. Uh, right now, they went 3-1 this week. Uh, and they sitting about 500. Tells me about 10. <laughs> Tells me about the Mavs. Oh, man. <laughs> Matt's having flashbacks to your Northern accent last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, um... Yeah, Dallas, man. I don't know if you remember uh, three weeks ago we talked about these guys, but I said they were going to be 500 the next time we came back around. Um, and we're here, Ooh, so we're now 500. Um, I would, I talk, predicted which games they were going to win and stuff. I was wrong about the Portland one, but only because Dame Dollar did his thing in the final seconds again. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, they've been, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, they've been playing so well. Um, mainly been because of Luca, of course. Um, ultimately, from a team perspective, their three-point percentage um, has just got so much better. Um, up until three weeks ago, they were dead last in three-point percentage. Um, but within the last three weeks and their last ten games that they've played. Um, they've actually moved themselves up to 22nd um, overall in the season, um, but they've they've shot 40% in the last 10 games, which is a major improvement um, up from 34. Um, so yeah, talk about game-winning shots. You said Dame Dame Dollar did it to the Mavs. Well, Luca did it to the Celts. Um, if you guys didn't saw, uh, didn't see, uh, he hit a game winner, which looks pretty identical to the one he hit in the playoffs when the bubble uh, against the Clips, which I, I like. So it's sort of like his go-to move. And we always talk about how good Lucas' step back is. Um, it's his patented move. Wadi, where do you think Luca ranks for you in terms of clutch shot makers? You know, he, he's made a couple now. Um, he's a really good decision maker. Where does he rank? Is he ranking like top ten? Is he? We put him in top what, five. In the league right now. Yeah. Oh, definitely top ten. Um, I think if you're putting together a short list of guys you want taking the, sh- uh, the last shot, um, you know, with only a few seconds left on the clock, um, you've obviously got to have LeBron James, got to have Damian Lillard, Luca. Um, oh, who else am I missing? Um, somebody okay. else. Steph. Uh, what's that? Steph Curry. Steph Curry, exactly. Uh, Andre, 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 Andre Iguodala as well. You know, shout out Max Curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, and of course, Kyrie as well. Um, so, yeah, I treated there. I gave you six. But um, I definitely put um, put Luca in the top 10 for sure, uh, players in the league right now. Um, he's done it in the playoffs as well as regular season, which is just, it's a double down on, on that on that rating, in my opinion. Um, Somebody else, the emergence of uh, Jalen Brunson, I just want to shout out as well, because talk about that Celtics game. Um, 
you know, he hit five for seven threes. He had a really big fourth quarter, so he was coming in clutch for them. So he's really kind of emerged as that replacement guy for the, the hole that was left by Seth Curry, um, basically. So it's been really nice to see him do bits. Um, Porzingis has been in an outdated day, um, which is just, I think it's just going to be the way it's going to be uh, for the rest of the season, to be honest, um, because I think like some players, he thought that the, the league was starting a lot later. Um, so he's really playing his way into shape and there's not a lot of training sessions either uh, at the moment. So that's that's kind of tough. But um, all in all, um, it's been going a lot better, uh, hence the record. Their next two games are against um, the Magic um, and OKC. So you'd like to think that they're either going to stay 500 or be over. Uh, 500, you know, within the next next two games. Yeah, really good production from Jalen Bronson and Tim Hardaway, something that the Mavs needed a bit of consistency, especially in the depth position. And Porzingis came back against the Nets. They had a really encouraging win. Yeah, there was no, there's no KD, there's no Kyrie, but they, they still beat a Nets team, which is rolling at the moment. I'm going to go a bit off topic, guys, for the Mavs. Um, so Miles Garrett, if you guys don't know, he's an NFL defensive end. Uh, Ed will know because he's obviously a massive NFL fan. He's a defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, right? So Miles Mar- Garrett is actually, he's 6'4 and 272 pounds, okay? He's massive, right? And there was a video that surfaced of him playing basketball and he tweeted out to Mark Cuban and was like, do the Mavs need a big guard? And this guy is stacked, right? And he's, he's dunking all over the place. Just a freak athlete. So my question to all the GMs is that which person from another sport do you think could make it and make that transition into the NBA if you had to pick one? Let's just hope Let's just hope it's not Zlatan Ibrahimovic versus LeBron James, but I'll let everyone know. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's hope that one doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, That's a good um, question. If anyone hasn't seen that video, by the way, it's like Zion on steroids. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just going to send it now. Be- I was just trying to find. I couldn't it. believe yeah. he was dunking it. I was like, "What is going on?" It's insane. Um, the defensive ends, in terms of like their raw ability and what they can do on the field, is just insane. How quick they are and how big, like the size of them, nuts. You know, but, yeah. what I think would be funny to see Akin Benwa. Point guard going up against Steph Curry. <laughs> but um, Wildy and Bray, I mean, Bray might know, but Akin Fenwa basically plays in the championship for Wickham and he's, he's, he's a beast. He's like, the, he's like the strongest player on FIFA. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. look him up. He's a, he's a really cool personality. That's good. Any, any more for any more? I'd throw out Usain Bolt. I think that'd be jokes. Look at the size of him. He's a pretty tall guy and he'd fucking sprint across the court. Uh, yeah. he, Matt, if you haven't seen it, he actually played in the celebrity game and actually dunked. So, yeah. My, my only thing with, uh, with, with him, though, is because he's, he's just used to running. He's, like, weirdly uncoordinated, I found, with a basketball. Like, he just didn't, he just didn't know how to carry it and run at the same time. Like, yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, but in a similar vein, though, like definitely you got to pick someone with some size. I'm going to go with Mario Toje from the um, England rugby squad, who yeah. is, I believe, he's, uh, I think he's about 6'8", 
and he's he's he is known for having like long arms. He just gets on everything, and obviously being a rugby player is just insanely strong and surprisingly quick for someone of of that size. So I reckon uh, I reckon uh, I reckon Super Mario would uh, would be a good pick. Um, and also, actually, on the Usain Bolt comment as well, he's a massive football fan, and I think he had a contract with Borussia Dortmund. I think a couple of years back, he actually played a couple of games football with them, and actually had a professional contract in Australia for a little while as well. For so, I think it's more it was probably a publicity stunt. He didn't look that particularly that good anyway. Um, I'm going to stick to NFL because I think yeah, NFL you just got all these ridiculous athletes, and I always thought NBA athletes were probably some of the best in the world. But when I saw just the build and the athleticism of some of the NFL players, you're it's so hard to look past him. I think one person I'll say is probably the biggest freak in the NFL, which is DK Metcalf. He plays wide receiver. So as you, I mean, as you can imagine, you can sort of imagine what position that's like and what he has to do. But he is built like an absolute tank. He is lean, much more lean than uh, Miles Garrett is and has got so much power and athleticism. He would be really hard to stop. Um, I think Zion will be a pretty good comparison for him as well. He looks less jacked than Miles Garrett, but still can wiggle. And I've actually just dropped in a group chat the video of Miles Garrett playing basketball, which is something to behold. Yeah, you, you got you got to watch it, man. It is scary. It's it's terrifying. If the league goes the way of like Zion builds, yeah. Mm. The fact I don't that know. someone that size can jump like that is I I just I'm like that should that shouldn't be allowed. It should be impossible for that to even be a thing. Like I started to watch. I started watching a bit more Pelicans games because I did want to see what Zion does and just have the Pelican team play. And watching Zion may be sad because Zion on offense is what Magic hoped Aaron Gordon would be because Zion can play make. He can do a lot of stuff on the ball that I didn't know he could do. And I was like, wow, this is this is really hard to watch, but he is going to be so, so good and so, so good on different levels of the floor. Let's stay in Texas. But let's head over to another team who haven't had a lot of games this week. They went one and one, still a really good record and a really good season overall, apart from the all-star snub from DeRozan, uh, sitting 17-12, the San Antonio Spurs. Ed, take it away. Yes, so Spurs had uh, quite a, bun a bunch of games uh, that they had to skip out on their yearly uh, rodeo, rodeo schedule and um, got cut down. So overall, the last time we spoke, they were 13 and 10. Now they're 17 and 12. So they went four and two. And as Alex said last week, they were one and one. Um, during that four and two run, they lost, though they split a game against, they split two games against Golden State, which is something we spoke about last time we spoke about the Spurs. And they had big wins against the Hawks and the Pelicans most recently. Um, against Golden State in game one, actually, Jamal Murray had a really good stat line. I'm not sure if uh, if this is one of Alex's stat line of the week, but I just stole it from him. Uh, DeJounte Murray had 27 points, 10 assists and eight steals, which is the most steals in a game this year, which is very nice for the rookie. But funny enough, actually, in the second game against Golden State, the team got two steals. Um, we all know that the Warriors are prone to turnovers and it's been a trademark of the Steve Kerr era because of their ball movement and because of their risky passing. Um, they are susceptible to quite a few turnovers. And I saw that when Golden State played the Magic a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, they love a little turnover, don't they, Golden State? And it can be Draymond and it can be Steph just doing funny stuff with the ball. Um, and then we get to the OKC game 
where, as you guys saw, because we posted it on our social medias, Lou Dort had a wide open three. Shout out Patty Mills for leaving his man wide open to double team Al Horford. Great play there. Um, and then uh -huh. Lou Dort hit that open three. And that was their first game back over um, after the, after their, uh, their protocol and they could start playing games again. But they were without quite a few players, one of which being DeMar DeRozan, who literally just came back last game. Uh, he wasn't a COVID scratch. His father passed away and he took some time off and he played against, who's the last game against? Oh, the Pelicans. And he had a bounce back game, which is really good for him just to get that personal tragedy um, put aside for a second. He got 32 points, 11 assists and one turnover, which is amazing for him. And it's the second 30.10 assist game of the year, which is really nice for that young Spurs team. In that, in that Pelicans win, they actually got rebounded, out-rebounded 38-52 as well. And LaMarcus Aldridge turned up in a big way. But let's stay on DeMar for now because I was doing some insight around how he's performing this year. So the Spurs are actually a minus 3.8 net rating when DeRozan is off the court, which is no surprise. But Ed, when he's playing with Derek White, he's plus 12 in net ratings. So my question to you is, could this be the start of like a new small ball for the Spurs? Because Murray is playing well. Could they potentially do that? So ideally, I think what Pop wants is he wants all the young kids in on the floor alongside um, DeMar DeRozan. So DeMar DeRozan is the key primary ball handler but of course Derek White and DeJounte can also do some ball handling so it's not primarily on the young guys so DeMar can take over the responsibilities when it's need to now one of the key things that has happened which you touched upon just now was the LaMarcus Aldridge factor LaMarcus Aldridge was injured for the past six or seven games and the past two games when the Spurs have been back he's been he's been coming off the bench um, so that helps all the young players get on the floor and it makes them play a style of, of basketball which is much more Spurs-esque I was looking at uh when I'm watching the Spurs, I realized, again, their ball movement is still key. And I tried to find a stat that really highlighted this. And I found one that's, um, which is Spurs have got the best assist to turnover ratio in the NBA, which is 2.25. And only one other team have got above 2-point assist to turnover ratio, which is really good for the Spurs. So by having LaMarcus off the court and some other ball players and ball handlers, it, it allows them to play a different style of basketball. And having Derek White and DeMar does help that. So... I can definitely see that being a thing and what Pop wants to do moving forward. And Aldridge would work super nicely on the bench coming off against second units, who's absolutely cook um, because he can be a liability on defense and Jakobel provides them a lot more defensive solidity. So overall, hopefully it's something that does work for the Spurs. And you know what? They could be a sleeper pick in the playoffs. Uh, they could be nice to watch them play. I'm just saying, just saying. Any, any, anything can happen, especially in this situation where there's no fans. Hopefully we get the fans back for the playoffs because that's, that's like a massive advantage for uh, places like Utah. You know, great, great place to play. Yeah. I mean, but because of our, the way our picks are set up, there's definitely three tiers of teams. There's the first tier, which is going to be our first pick, second round of picks and third round of picks. Spurs could make a push into that second round of picks that we might select in the playoffs. I'm just saying. Well, we know that they will be prepared because Pop will have them prepared. Also, another thing uh, around DeRozan is actually he's hit nearly as many threes as last season and he's got career highs in assists and free throw percentage. So, yeah, good for you, DeMar. You know, you got snubbed, but when you're not snubbing, we're not snubbing you on this podcast, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. 
let's there's um and i know you briefly spoke about zion let's head over to uh, bourbon street and um, with the pels uh speak to my man george pels 14 and 19 overall one and two this week um how are you feeling about um, everything going on in new orleans um so it's a mix really uh the main reason why i say that although i remember like right at the beginning we, I was saying how I was all concerned with their performances and how nothing seems to be going quite right. Quite right. Um, but I feel like they they have made improvements of this, uh, which is good news, which, which I am generally happy with. However, it's those, even though they have made those improvements, they ha it doesn't seem like it's been enough for the team. So um, as... Um, as Bray says, like, does it get to that point where if the team isn't at the point where you want it, do you start thinking about trades? And I think trades have started to pop into the team's heads in terms of like uh, uh, heart and ball for their next move. So it's um, shaky ground, really. Yeah. JJ Reddick actually spoke about uh, this and said that him and Lonzo, all they talk about is trades, uh, trade rumours. <laughs> Which is quite funny. Yeah, the main the main man, we got to focus on him. Ed broke broke it up, brought him up, uh, Zion. What I've noticed from Zion is that he's initiating the offense. You know, he's yeah. bringing the ball up 11, uh, 11 possessions a game. And they're also doing this pick and roll action with JJ Reddick as the screener, and he's screening mm -hmm. directly. So Zion's got more of a downhill. Um, push when he's driving towards the basket um, but he so he's fourth uh, highest in point per possession as the role man within the pick and roll but he's only 19th in attempts so Jordan my question to you is do you prefer him as the ball handler initiating the offense or would you have him as a role man um for me at this point I I would prefer to have him as a role man um the main reason why I said that is um, basically down to evidence of the Spurs games, the way they defended him when he had the ball in his hands. Um, even though he has proven to have results from that, as proven from the Spurs game where he went 8-15 and 15 overall, um, now that uh, defences of getting that strategy of um, creating a wall and making it a lot harder for him, um, I think even though you can see that's the way they want to develop him into that game. I think um, it needs to be more gradual instead of just throwing him straight into the pool and let's work on it from there. I think it needs to be a more gradual scenario, especially if they want to make that push to make it into the playoffs as well um, as soon as possible. Um, I think with that being said, it's evident it's going to be hard because even though Zahn great passer as well I think right now on the team they're lacking other players which can punish those um punish the team for like helping helping out, out on defense to defend against Zion yeah that's a that's a great point from from what I've seen from Zion in terms of initiating the offense I think it's it's really encouraging and the Pelicans have got a good bright future uh, just another point as well. The Bucks game, him and Yanis were going back, uh, back and forth with each other. 
really fun matchup. And Lonzo Ball just, you've got to shoot the ball. You're down three. And he's, he's passing it away. I'm like, just shoot the ball. It's like Chris Paul. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, and Lonzo Ball is much improved from three-point line as well. So yeah. be confident, man. Be confident. Um, cool. Let's let's move on to the, to the Grizz. Another team at 500 and also 500 for this week because they went two and two. Lancashire Lambeer, talk to me. Yeah, so the Grizzlies, like I said, two and two this week. They are currently 10th in the West and last four games. So they lost against the Mavericks, 102 to 92. Although Morant had a decent night scoring, 22 points, nine assists, the Grizzlies actually only shot 19% from the three point. Uh, versus the Mavericks shooting at 37%. However, they did manage to beat the Clippers in their next game, and they were 58% from three in that very next game. So great turnaround there. Um, they had six players scoring double figures, including Tyus Jones, who got 20 points in 15 minutes off the bench, which was his career high. Valentin is chipping in with 16 points, 15 rebounds. And all this while, they kept Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to a combined 30 points. So great work on the defense as well. They obviously lose the next game against the Clippers, 119 to 99, but there's no shame in that in splitting two games with the Clips. And then they go and absolutely demolish the Rockets um, the other night. So in 133 to 84, it was the biggest margin of victory in Grizzlies history. The third worst loss for the Rockets, as I'm sure Braves with a touch on in their history. Um, the Grizzlies bench yeah. scored 85 <laughs> points. The Rockets team scored 84. So that, that was my stat. That was bench, my stat of the week. Yeah, that's there you go. I'm knitted for you, but I, no, it's fine. I it needs to be brought up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then all this, like outscoring the Rockets by 49 points. Morant and Valentinus usually combined for around about 30 odd points per game. They only got six points each. So the two biggest scorers didn't even score that much at all. So it's just unbelievable effort from them. They got like a season high 56 rebounds to go with 16 steals in that game. Remarkably high. And I just got to shout out the pressure on the Rockets shooting from the three point uh, from behind the arc. They managed to keep the Rockets to a... uh, a really, really respectable four from 45 from three point, uh, 9% shooting from behind the arc. It's top defense. Oh, that's so bad. That's so bad because you think you've shot like a lot of threes. You haven't made it. You wouldn't shoot 45. Surely you wouldn't. Classic Rockets. Classic. <laughs> Overall, the Rockets shot 27.7% from the floor, the lowest mark in NBA history. It was bad. They got waxed. We, we're going to talk about the Rockets, but Matt, there's another point as well. Des, Desmond Bain, mm. he, he didn't play that much. He had 50.7 rebounds. He was a plus 38. Yeah, yeah. I was going to actually give a shout out to Desmond Bain because even though he didn't, he actually started, which was his only fourth yeah. part of the season. And yeah, 15.7 rebounds, three steals, plus 38 is pretty good. And in his rookie season, he's averaging 10 points per game. 48% from the field, 45% from the three-point line, 86% from the free throw. So he's doing all right. He's a nice little player who's chipping along. And then Justice Winslow um, looks like he's come back from injury. He's played in four of the last five games. Um, they're actually his first appearances this season, and that's like another 10 points 
a game to add on to the to the Grizzlies and five rebounds, which he's been having throughout his career. So Grizzlies probably going to be there, thereabouts for that playing spot come the end of the year. Yeah, they've also moved uh, JV to the bench for some games. They're, they're sort of testing out a couple of lineups. But I actually want to speak about the Grizzlies' defence because uh, in January, they ranked first in the league. And in February, they ranked 26th for, for defence. So massive change up in terms of it. Do you, do you think that's just, I don't know, is that a small amount of data to really read too much into? Or what do you think has gone wrong for the Grizzlies? Has it been injuries? I think just just from like looking at their results in general, it's, if they win, they win big. If they lose, they lose big. Um, I don't, it's not really a problem come, like at the end of the day, you either win, you either win or you lose a game, don't you? But obviously like in the grand scheme of things, you want a better defence, etc. But it's not too much of a concern and they have been affected by injuries of late. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see any issues in terms of the Grizzlies defence. They'll get there. It's the main thing I'd say is I'd like to see them score a little bit more. I'd say, considering that they do have a little bit of like sparks of talent, but yeah, I think defense can be there again. It's probably just a little bit of a blip at the moment. Yeah, I mean they definitely scored a lot against the Clippers. That's probably I think their best win of the season because the Rockets won. Rockets are one of the worst teams, but the Clips game, yeah, uh, yeah blew them out by near thirty, and that was sort of. You saw the potential of what the Grizzlies yeah. could be. They'd be more consistent with that. Massive threat in the future. Massive threat. <laughs> so let's move on to the Rockets. Salt Bray, I'm not going to give you spoilers here. He's not had a good week. It's been real rough for him. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with Salt Bray right now because he's locked in that fifth position pretty much. I think so. Yeah. Let's talk about the Rockets. Can we be positive? It, you, you've gone 0-4 this week. You're on a massive losing streak and it, you're sitting at 11-21. and 21. Bray? Um, let's take the negative first and we'll move on to the positives. Um, so we talked about the Rockets three weeks ago and they haven't won a game since. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's 11 games, the longest losing streak for the Rockets since 2001, so 20 years it's not been this bad. Um, so, you know... Not really, not quite. They, got, they get absolutely waxed by the Grizzlies. They haven't had um, uh, Christian Wood this entire time. And uh, Wall and Oladipo don't play back-to-backs. So the only player on their team who's played all 29 games is, um, or however many games, is Jay Sean Tate, who is an undrafted rookie. Um, who does actually look quite good, but I'll come up with that in a bit. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not great. They're obviously in full tank mode. It's a shame because they were looking a bit frisky. Everyone was trying hard. Wood was amazing. He was he was going to be an all-star, I, I, I really do think. Um, and then he gets injured and they fall off the wagon. So, yeah, really big shame. And, like, obviously they're playing small ball now without him, um, which is tough. And, honestly, the, these 11 games they've lost, it's not been a tough schedule. <laughs> it's been it's been a real easy one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the bad. Um, and interesting news though. So um, the first one, Demarcus Cousins, yes. um, has been waived. Basically, he was unhappy about coming off the bench for Christian Wood. Um, my question to everyone else 
is DeMarcus Cousins a starter on any team in the NBA? Who's the worst team in the league? Who's, wait, who's the worst team in the league? I, I, think, I, think, I think he is. Yeah, he is. I think he is. The reason... Brooklyn. The re, no, the, the reason is, is I think there's not enough depth at the centre position. I was trying to think of one of the worst teams in the league, and I... Sorry, Matt. I thought of the Cavs, because the Cavs are, are really bad, but they've got Jared Allen. But if I look at mm. maybe other contenders... I'm, I'm trying to think of where he fits in. Obviously, Ed says I think, Brooklyn. I think Ed hit on something more prominent there in that it's not about him going to the worst team. It's about him going to one of the better teams like someone like Brooklyn and contributing yeah, would he, he would, would he start over DeAndre Jordan? I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I, I ain't been rating DeAndre Jordan for years now. Like, he has not been... His defence isn't what it used to be, and that was his bread and butter, and he doesn't provide anything on offence anyway. Like The reason why I, mean, I might take... Um, Boogie over DeAndre Jordan in terms of a starting lineup is that DeAndre Jordan relies on his athleticism um, when he was at the peak of his powers, whereas Boogie's always been very grounded. So even though he's in later stages of his career, he can still be more effective and do the things that he was able to do earlier on. Could Boston do with him? No. See, the thing about Boogie is that he does not play defence. He is a slow centre who has no athleticism and doesn't play defense, which is like most 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 teams will just go, you know what? Don't need a center. We'll play Jay Sean's center, which is what the Rockets have done. Honestly, it's age of small ball. And I'm I'm not entirely sure if anyone picks Boogie up. Um, it's really sad because the guy is wow. literally 30. Like he's 30. He feels it's like he's been forever. But mm. um he's had an Achilles and um what was it? I think it was an uh, ACL or something as well. Yeah, it was two of the worst injuries you can have. Yeah, um, yeah it's just so it's 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 yeah, really really tough for him. I hope he gets another chance. I don't think it will be as a starter, but yeah, so uh, really tough for him. Um, on the more positive note, um, Oladipo was reported today, so this is, this is fresh news. Yeah, um, that he was offered um, a two-year, forty-five point two million dollar extension. It's the most the Rockets can offer him as an extension before the end of the season, uh, and he turned it down. Um, at the end of the season, the maximum amount that the Rockets could offer him because they've got his bird rights is five years at $195 million. Would any of you pay Victor Oladipo the top end of that? No. No. Computer says no. No, but the reason he actually rejected it, Bray, is because he wanted a longer contract. Yeah. However, I think that's a bit of a cop-out because if he sees what the Rockets are right now, um, he wants to be a, on a contender. Also talking about him in the locker room with the playoffs, like, oh, yeah, moving yeah. to that team. Yeah, he's not going to want to be with the Rockets. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. Uh, props to the, to the Rockets for offering it because on that contract... I think it's great, you know, two years, two years, 45. I like it very much. Um, but, you know, the, the largest four-year deal he can get is in the region of like 150. So it's it's just so, you know, if he is looking for that top end, it's so much money. Um, honestly, though, I don't think, I, I don't know how many teams are going to want to offer him that, you know, that amount of money. Um, but uh, it does make him a, a prime trade candidate now, though. 
if the Rockets are no, not certain that they can hold on to him. Um, they could trade him to a contender for some picks. Um, so maybe maybe someone who's just kind of on the edge and needs to needs to make that extra move, um, I guess. So um, who knows? He could be on the move again. Well, thanks, bro. You've, you've taken my two points. So that's, that's worked perfectly. Um, yeah, so the Rockets definitely... Um, a lot of front office moves, even if they are losing on the court. Um, it's a pretty bad team. So we'll, we'll see what happens in Houston. So that wraps up Southwest. Take a short break and then we'll move to Central. So we've done Southwest. Let's move to the Central. And the Milwaukee Bucks is where we're going to start because they went 4-0 this week. They are currently at 21-13 and they are right on the hills of the six of the Nets at the top of the Eastern Conference. How's that good? 21, 21. Um, yeah, so they were 15 and 8 since we last spoke. And so the, the in the last 15 games, so let's take let's take the past last 15 games. They won five games they in a row. They lost five games in a row. Now they just won five games in a row. So I mean you love to see that sort of consistency. It just, it just works very nicely. You love to see it. Uh, they were 15 and 8 last time we spoke, and now they're 21 and 13. So they went 6 and 5. So that's been part of the five game lose streak, five game win streak. And as Alex said, they're 4 0 this week. So the Bucks had a really tough time um, in the last 10 games with a five game losing streak. They lost they lost back to back games against Toronto, which was really disappointing. Uh, I mean, we've spoken previously about the fact that there's a lot of back-to-back games against the same opponent and usually in the second game it's a lot tighter and the other team tends to win that didn't happen for milwaukee the one positive factor was that drew holiday was missing for those five games and he came back uh, and his comeback also related to the bucks winning those extra those last five games so that's a, that's a good point at least so the losses, as I said, back-to-back games against the Raptors, and they also had a tough loss against the Suns and the Jazz. But they did beat the Pelicans, and as we spoke about earlier, yesterday they beat the Clippers, and I think quite a few of us must have saw how the game ended, and it was probably Milwaukee's biggest victory that they've had this year. So Giannis outscored the Clips 17-10 to 10 in the final minutes of the game, and we are going to talk about Giannis, and we're actually going to talk about something that we did in one of the first weeks in a shooter shot, picking MVPs and House of O3 actually picked Yanis to win MVP. I'm just going to tell you Yanis's numbers over the past week. They obviously won four straight. He's averaging 36 points per game, 14 rebounds, six assists, 1.5 blocks. He's shooting 53% from the field, 36 from three and 79% from free throw, which is obviously improvement, something that we spoke about. Is he back into the MVP race, guys? Hell no. Next bot. Um, so what else can we talk about the Bucks? So they've I mean, do you want to say anything else for it or do we do we, do we seriously need to take you, that you question? Sh- you shut it down, but just, those are yeah, those I are think... some unbelievable numbers. Yeah, that's for the past five games. Absolutely cool. Like we can all do that for a lot of different players on the five, ten. Oh, I was about to say games. I can't do that. <laughs> oh. 36, 14, and 6. Yes, Alex. Yes, cool. But on like... an absolute mission. I mean, like, look, if he continues this and drags them to the top seed in the East, you have to ask, but that's the only way he gets any sort of narrative going. Also, that huge block on Zubac. Oh. I mean, that shows you, that's like... That's disgusting. That shows that's you... Monstrous. 
on commentary actually they were talking yeah. about Zubak. Uh, okay so you know yes. on commentary um, Doris Burke was talking about how um, what's his face Tyron Lu was saying to Zubak, you need to dunk more um, because oh. sometimes he's very anxious when he goes up to the rim and they should and what Ty Lu did is that he brought in tape of his time in Nebraska and I'm sure if you've seen Ty Lu, he's not exactly the tallest but there was tape of him dunking in quite a few games and he's like look if I can fucking do it you can fucking dunk as well so when you get to the rim dunk and I think Giannis must have got the memo and be like no problem I will show you bang uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah that was is he, is he nice from thing. Russia I, yeah. I, can't, <laughs> I couldn't really do a Greek pun in it so I just put generic I European I just put generic European oh, sick man host of bad accents okay we'll speak up the box they are leading the league in rebounds per game at 40 uh, 48 and a half Ed I want to speak to you is this an underrated stat because I think rebounds aren't really valued enough uh, yes, and I would agree with that because when I do watch a game, I there are rebounds, but then there are proper rebounds. What I mean by that is that there's rebounds when you've got five teammates around you and like, okay, one of you guys are going to get it. I prefer those rebounds when it's two other opposing defenders and then you sort of get it amongst all that chaos. And there's no, I don't know if, if there is one, but I need to find like a proper rebound stat or like, yeah. I don't know, a stat where it compares your rebound to where the opposition is around you because some teams obviously game plan is okay, we need to get back on defense. We can't allow any transitional buckets so they won't crash the boards. So I think maybe I need to do a bit more deep dive into that point in terms of the Bucks rebounding. But whenever I see a strong rebound, I think we all understand what a strong rebound is. Uh, yeah. I like to see those. Also, you're talking about strong rebounds. Pat Bev had a ridiculous rebound yes, in, the, in the game. You want to see an evidence of that? Evans uh, strong rebound. That was it. Scrappy play. Let's let's move on from the Bucks and let's talk about teams that have also another team that's had a, a positive record this week. Last time we spoke about the Cavs, it was pretty dire. Lancashire Lambeer, you were you were not in a good place. But they've gone three and one this week. They're thirteen and twenty one overall. They did have a big losing streak beforehand. How are you mm. feeling about the Cavs? Okay, so the last time I spoke about the Cavs, they just lost three games versus the Clippers and then the Bucks and then the Bucks again. So that had followed the odd win against the Timberwolves and the Pistons. And I said the Cavs are slowly turning into this team that everyone thought they would be, win the games they win, win the games they're supposed to win, and lose the games they're supposed to lose. So what do they do following those three games that they lost? Okay, so they lost against the Suns, yeah, Nuggets, yeah, Blazers, Clippers, Warriors, Nuggets, and the Thunder. Probably the Thunder is the only game you could have put them down as a chance of winning, fair enough. Then they break this 10-game losing streak by beating the Hawks. No offence to the Hawks, but you kind of mark that down as one that they probably win rather than the other games in those 10. (laughs) Then they obviously beat the Rockets, probably the worst team in the league right now. And then they blow my theory right out of the water by going and beating the 76ers in overtime the other night. So apart from that game, they have been winning the games that they should and losing the games that they should as well. That 10-game losing streak was against good opposition, but they're still a boring shit team. Wow. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was going to end positively. You beat... You're, have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Cavs, Cavs are 2-0 against Philly and I think 
that is a massive problem from a Sixers standpoint rather than Cavs winning, if, if, if that makes sense. Like, from that game, Sexton and Garland played really well. Uh, you dominated us in the paint, 62 to 42, and they were getting to whatever spots they wanted, despite Embiid supposed to be this big presence. So that that's really encouraging. In the in the Hawks game, that was a really interesting game because I think it was they basically stole that game. And um, Lamar Stevens, unknown player, comes in, finds a, an open dunk to win to win the game. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you think about. Uh, that performance in terms of the Hawks. Yeah, that just came out of nowhere. The Hawks, yeah, really did throw it away. I think um, Trey Young missed a layup with about 10 seconds to go. Yeah. And the Cavs, the Stevens guy, just there's an open lane. He just drives, gets the dunking with four seconds to go. And then the Hawks don't have any timeouts left. So they try and rush it up the court to try and get the winner, but they can't find it. But yeah, and then they also followed that up with a win against the Rockets, which is a nice win again. And yeah, that victory against the 76ers, nice winning overtime, did feature a Ben Simmons three at the end. Oh, no, don't. I'm not having that. I'm not um, having that. That is, does not count. He's taking it to, like, just jack up something. And people are like, oh, he's made a three. It doesn't matter. It was pure, wasn't it? Bray, it's a garbage time three. And people are like, oh, he's hit number three. Oh, no, Ben yeah, Simmons it, is playing really well. But, yeah, go on. Yes. And then, and then, because Embiid obviously missed the chance to win that game at the buzzer, yeah. it was tied at ninety-two, and then um, the Cavs did really well over time. Um, but I was having a look at this, some stats about the Cavs, and mm. I've obviously previously spoken about their scoring. They do have the lowest points per game in the league, at one hundred and four, and they're in the bottom five for two-point percentage, three-point percentage, and free-throw percentage. So it's pretty dire. Um, but one thing I did find interesting. And how you can explain this? Someone please explain for me this if they can. So they rank second in the league for offensive rebounds per game, but they are second worst for defensive rebounds. How the fuck does that happen? That just means they can't shoot. <laughs> so they get a lot more opportunities to grab their own misses, basically. You would expect them to, at least considering the size of their team, to be better than second worst in the league for defensive rebounds, considering they're literally built out of centres. I mean, you say that, but defensive defensive rebounding is much more of a team thing. Offensive rebounding is individual. Like, they've got some great individual offensive rebounders, but on defence, even if you've got the best rebounder, if one guy lets his man just run in, he can be completely just uncontested on one side of the basket. Matt, can we talk about a Cavs player who's not currently playing at the moment? That is Kevin Love. Kevin Love is supposed to return after the All-Star break because he's out with a high-grade uh, strained right calf. So, Matt, do you think they're going to trade him straight away? Or, you know, is he going to be a buyout option? Or does he stay with the team? Um, I'd I don't really think there's um, much of a space room in the team, considering look how well Jarrett Allen's doing at centre. Um, so I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do trade him, um, given that he's like, well, Kevin Love's only played like two games this season anyways. The other thing is that he's only, I'm right, he's 30, 31, something like that. So it's not like he's too old at all either. But I think I think it's probably just the pure performances of Jarrett Allen that's probably going to keep him out of the team. Because um, Jarrett Allen probably has been the one Alongside obviously Colin Sexton, of course, the the one big positive out of Cleveland's season so far, 
And something that's really interesting about Jarrett Allen, he's only started 15 games this season, but the Cavs have won seven of those. So they're seven and eight when he starts, but it's been 13 and 21 overall. So they're definitely a better side when Jarrett Allen is in that starting five. Great stat to close it on. Let's see if any contender picks up K-Love. Let's head to Chicago with House of Bow 3. Chicago, 2-1 this week. They are 15-17. and 17. And since we last spoke, Zach Levine is an all-star, which is great news uh, for, sure, for the city of Chicago. Uh, George, how are you feeling about the Bulls? Uh, good, man. Good, good. Uh, we're still in that um, contention in the playing tournament. So overall, that's good. Two and one, again, good result. I'm happy with that. Can always be worse. You know, as I say, can always be worse. So I'm, I'm staying positive with that. Um, last 10, they've been six and four. So again, still positive numbers overall. Um, and these are coming after they've obviously lost Markkinen, who's out, uh, Otto Porter Jr., who is also out, and Hutchinson. So they're still picking up those injuries. But also, i like to give a shout-out to Thaddeus Young, because with those opportunities he's been getting, that brother has been balling out, and he's been, uh, well, big contribution off the bench for them. So, good. There was a really cool video with Zach Levine, how they announced him becoming an all-star and basically people surprised him on camera. So he had his family, like mm. his friends. And one of them was Thaddeus Young. And Thaddeus Young went on the camera. He was like, all-star, you deserve it. And then he, what was really cool is he's like, we've still got to reach our second goal and that's the playoffs. And I was like, mm. that was really cool. Thaddeus Young, 12 points per game, six rebounds, 4.4 assists in just 25 minutes. Joel, can you emphasise how huge he's been for this team? Uh, is he in the top three for sixth man of the year? Um, overall, like, like I said, I think so. Like, um, before, um, obviously, I think the last time we spoke, I was mentioning I was hoping that Thaddeus Young will get more playing time and more into that rotation because I feel like he could perform and he coming out of that he's proven that and I think he's um, I think he's an avid uh, performer in that so um, like I said it's been massive with the points uh, coming off the bench being attributed to that overall score which I think has been a massive help especially with the loss of marketing as we mentioned before um, uh, so much to the point where the scoring isn't as much as an issue is what I was most worried with when obviously marketing went out. So yeah, he's been a massive help for them on that end. Yeah, and also another player that I'm really impressed with on the balls is, is Patrick Williams. Um, he starts every game for them and he's putting up reasonable numbers. Uh, there's no real expectation, so you're trying to assess where does he compare up with the rookies. But when whenever I look on the box score, like in the Rockets game, he had 14 and 7. Uh, and then he had 13 points against the Timberwolves. He's really a really good output, you know. That maybe we just need to find some consistency. Is there any other player from the Bulls that you maybe want to shout out or sort of criticize? Um the one which I would like to shout out with Co would be Kobe White for his last performance in, in the last game, which was against the, sorry, against the Suns, even though it was a loss on that and it came close uh, in the overtime periods, I believe 
it was that. Um, he did show out a lot of times, and I feel like especially when it came off of um, rebounds or turnovers, you could see him there running the lanes and putting in the effort to put on a show. And I, I think um, coming into this season, the main narrative behind him was people wanting him to prove himself this season and what he can do from that position. And I think he's starting to pick that up a lot more, especially this season. Yeah, yeah and, and the famous old narrative is, where is Otto Porter? <laughs> where is Otto Porter? Let's let's be honest. You know, I'm not going to delve too much into it, but I was just thinking, where is he? Massive contract, you know. Last year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Ray's obviously waited long enough. <laughs> yeah. You'll be you'll be happy to get him and Felicia off, off your book. Man. He's been waiting for those divorce papers to come through. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got one, I've got a question for uh, on the balls for uh, for Wildy. Um, Mark and then for Colin straight up. Do you do it? No. Oh, really? No, no, for me there. no, there's questions about whether John Collins actually wants to play for us because he's obviously turned down our extension offer. Larry, Larry Markinen would just be like having another Gallinari. Like he does not he doesn't stay healthy enough to stay on the floor for long enough. Like I've expressed on this podcast before how much I like the potential of Larry Markinen, but just he just gets injured too much for me to for me to put the thumbs up on it and then feel like a dickhead when he's never playing. So um, I really like John Collins, but obviously he's never going to be as good as he can be uh, if he doesn't want to play for us. So, but. He is a good player, so we should be able to flip him for somebody that is good. I just hope we don't screw it up. Can I just give that final shout out to Zach Levine as well? Because if you look back and remember in the dunk contest, he he went out saying, nah, this is it for me for the dunk contest. I want to be known than more than just a dunker. And now he's gone gone out and now he's actually an all-star. So massive props to him for putting in that. I, I have no key. I was sort of kind of pissed when you were talking about the dunk contest because Aaron Gordon is still robbed. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still he's still the people's champion. He shouldn't me he should be the champion, oh. champion, but still. The Pistons, five games this week. A lot yeah. of games, a lot of research for me to do about Detroit. And let me tell you, it wasn't good research. They went one in four this week. Oof. They haven't even won 10 games this season. They're nine and 25. Detroit. Wildy? Yeah, it's uh, it's done. So I mean, obviously, I it's the more the more worst team. Um, you know, I was I was banking on them being a bit bit more frisky than this. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, they they were a tough week. I mean, they had back to back against uh, the Magic, and they managed to pull out one of those games. And to be quite frank, it was only because. Um, Vooch had to leave the game at one point in the second game. So that's the only reason why they were probably able to pull that out. Um, the only game other than that that came close um, was against the Kings. Um, that was actually like a really good game, like right up until the end. Um, they had a massive collapse. The Kings were up by one um, and were inbounding the ball. And um, 
basically there was just complete miscommunication on the screen and they fell for the oldest trick in the scroll the screener like just basically abandoned the screen and rolled to the hoop and they got a wide open layup and that was all she wrote basically um but yeah i mean last time i covered and talked about how they heard they getting Dennis Smith Jr. Um, into the lineup, which I thought was a, like a really nice move for them because he was somebody who was you know, down and out with the Knicks and was requesting to be playing with the, uh, with the G League, uh, as Ed reported on when he was covering the Knicks uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's come in and he's fit in really well. Numbers obviously aren't blowing out water. He's averaging um, seven points, um, but yeah, he's moving the ball well. He's he's added a bit more speed into the backcourt, which they've lacked before. Um, so I'm really liking what he can be. Um, and the fact that he's really gelled this well um, with them, obviously it's not resulted in a, a whole lot of wins, but you know, it's just nice to see that um, they're sort of looking in the right direction now. They're picking up some guys, basically. Um, I want to shout out Dwayne Casey, to be honest, um, uh, because look, the record isn't great, but as we all know, they haven't got a great deal of talent on this team. Um, but they they rank 16th in assists, and I, and I, you know, big big work, whatever, right? But 16 in assists when you have that that little scoring talent. Um, is actually really good. And so that means that there's 13 teams below them um, on the assist count. And out 11 of those teams that are below them score more than Detroit. So that means that with less opportunity to score, they're getting more assists than 11 other teams. That only comes down to coaching and the system that Dwayne Casey puts in. And I mean, I think, you know, he has, he has a nice history. He did a really good job with the Raptors and moved on and now he's with Detroit. Um, I'd like to see them keep him on for when this rebuild starts to excel. I hope that's part of their plans because I, I really like, I think Dwayne Casey's doing a great job and um, has always been, been well in, in, the, in the jobs he's had, basically. Um, another spotlight guy, though, I've talked about him before on this, is Josh Jackson. Um, 25 points um, and six rebounds against Pelicans. Um, again, obviously another loss, but you love to see a young guy um, still making that comeback. And also, uh, yeah, we talked about how important rebounding is. You know, when you're having a high scoring output, um, even though you might be a lot of gas, it's good to get some boards every now and then. Um, so, yeah, that's nice. Dwayne Casey, the only coach to win coach of the year and then get fired straight after it. Madness. So Pistons do lead the league in something, and that is scoring off the bench. They lead the league at 41.2 points per game. So, Wildy, who is the most effective player for them off the bench? Maybe you've mentioned them previously. And should they move them to the starting lineup? In terms of their best guy off the bench, I, I think, look, Josh Jackson is really good for them. I know I've already talked about him, but honestly, it, it is him. Um, I think that um, he has the best impact for them. Whether they should like move to the starting lineup, I think at the moment, I've talked about it previous and that with all the young guys that they have, they're having everybody earn their minutes um, and coming onto the floor and who they should have, basically. So... I don't think that whether they're starting or they're not isn't a really big deal on a team that is winning so few games. This is all about just developing and finding out who 
they think is the best players and who they want to keep moving forward so that when they do add more talent, they're going to have to sift out the guys that they're not so keen on, basically. Um, so ultimately, I think that they could move to something like that. I don't think it will make an ultimate, I don't think ultimately it will improve the winning percentages of the whole team. Um, but yeah, that would be my favorite. Let's close out the central. Bray, it's been a win this week for you. You've gone 0 in 7. It's a real bad time for you, man. I just you got to stay strong. Uh, Pace has got 0 in 3. They're 15 and 17 overall. Uh, the Knicks have surpassed them in the standings in the playoff, in the playoff seedings. Indiana Pacers, Bray. I mean, just how are you feeling in general, man? Because, you know, it's been a tough time for you. Yeah, um, so the, the Pacers um, have not been great. Um, three games skid, but in the East, that is the difference um, between the fifth-seeded fifth Miami Heat and the 12th-seeded Washington Wizards. Everyone's around 500, which means that, you know, if you go on a little streak, it's going to impact you. You're going to slide up and down those standings. Uh, we've seen Miami do the opposite, uh, and now it's just the Pacers' turn. I don't think there's a, a cause for concern. I think they just had a bad week. Three really close games, um, the, the most recent of which Julius Randle seemed to take the matchup personally. Um, and uh, yeah, really put the smackdown on them. To be fair, um, but uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about them per se. Now they also had uh, Daniel Tice hitting a dagger three in the Celtics game, which was that's a backbreaker, isn't it? You really, and I mean that's one of your teams, Bray. So it's a lose lose. There's a lot of L's for you this week, man. But I'm sure it's going to get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think it definitely is going to go better for them. I mean. One of the things to to mark is that they they allow the most second chance points, uh, the second most uh, second chance points uh, per game of any team in the league do the paces, um, and that is fundamentally because they have rebounding issues. They are bottom ten in points in the paint. They don't offensive rebound very well and defensive rebound very well, which is surprising, given you have someone like Miles Turner on the team. You go. Hold a second, Miles Turner, Sabonis, they should be cleaning up a lot. Is he, is he stat chasing? Is he stat chasing the block? So, you know, missing out on these rebounds, that's not good. I mean, you know... It, it, it's another it, thing I do. Yeah. The, the evidence... Oh, you, a hey, you better swallow your pride. That's the ego. <laughs> right, go on, yeah, Bray. No, I love block. That is... That is uh, yeah, that, that is one thing you could look at. Um, I think, like, Miles Turner said at the start of the season he wanted to go and be a defensive player of the year. And obviously, you know, there's other stuff you need to do besides blocks. Um, they, they do need to get better at rebounding as a team. Um, the guards aren't amazing at rebounding. And to be fair, they've, they've got this, this really revolving door of guys. Um, so to kind of keep it afloat at the moment has been really good because they've had, like, obviously with all the games, like Brogdon hasn't played all the time. Um, they've had TJ out. Um, they're still, uh, oh, there's another guy who's out, uh, name escapes me, but um, the good news for them is that Levert is playing again. And nice. it looks like he's going to be coming back, probably not right after the All-Star break, but in the second half of the season. I cannot wait. Like, honestly, he, they, they, are, they are one one consistent scorer away. Because in the three games you saw, they just struggled to get buckets in the last few minutes of the game. Now, Sabonis can do that, but it's just because all eyes are on him, it, it's just so hard. Whereas if Karis Avert gets going, that guy 
gets buckets. Yeah. It's honestly, he is a scorer and they could really use him uh, filling those minutes. And, and, you know, obviously congrats to him for, for getting over what he did. Um, could potentially have saved his life. Hope that he kind of continues to get the all clear. And the good news on that, obviously, he's not coming off an injury. So, yeah, he's probably going to be a bit slow coming back, but it's not like, you know, you have a knee or an Achilles or anything. It's not like you, you kind of have to learn to trust yourself again. He can just bounce bounce back in, and, and once he gets his rhythm up, um, I, I think he should be really, really good for them. Speaking of all-star, Sabonis has made the all-star game, guys, because he is out because KD is injured. And he owes a massive thank you to Adam Silver, and I'll tell you why. Because he gets 1.3 million extra because it's a bonus part of his contract. Yeah. Mula. Yeah. yeah. Mula, baby. Anyway, <laughs> my, my question to all of you guys is did Adam Silver make the right decision? Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think he did. Um, I And obviously, like you said, like this week they're on a three game slide, but if you look at that a week ago, they're, they're like, instead of being ninth, they're probably like fifth. And it's like, oh, okay. All of these teams are in the mix, so you can arguably choose anyone. Yeah. That closes up division discussion. We are going to head, you know, um, into the leaderboard. Come on. Right. <laughs> right, so we're going to go to the bottom, to the top. People didn't like that. It's okay. Salt parade. <laughs> Last place. 80 wins, 121 losses. You're at 39%. You're actually at 40%, but technically you're at 39%. It's below. It's just below. It's been abysmal. Yeah, we're, we're not even... Minnesota, worst team. Uh, your top two teams are tied, Heat and Celtics. Staying at fourth, Lancashire Lambeer, 95 and 103. You're actually right near 500 now. Uh, you're at 48%, which is really good. And your best team is the Denver Nuggets sort of tied with the Warriors. And your worst team is the Cavaliers, actually, because the Was uh, the Wizards have actually improved a lot since we last spoke about them. I think we're going to speak about them next week, so that's good. One Bar Wildy, Philly cheesesteak sandwich, as always. Uh, and you're at 97 wins, 104 losses. You are marginally ahead of Lancashire Lambert. It is very tight, so you better clench those bum cheeks. Cause <laughs> yeah, oh, again, his... All his wins are coming against my teams yet again. He's coming. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. I love this I want, little battle. I love this little yeah. I want this third so close between you guys. Yeah. I want this third seed. It's going to be like that for the rest of the season. Mate, I, I'm not even looking at Jordan <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> I feel like me and Ed are the old guys on the porch just watching everything go down. <laughs> Nothing else has changed. When can we get to the playoffs? Can we just yeah. get some playoffs already? Like, come on. Yeah. Be speaking of the old guys, uh, Georgia South Play 3, old guy in second place, plodding along. Uh, 109 wins, 91 losses at 54%. Your best team is the is the Lakers and yeah. your worst team is the Pelicans? Yeah, change up. I know. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a change up. And then House Lasku, 59%. So I think you've increased by 1% since last week. 120 wins, 82 losses. So yeah, that wraps up the vision discussions. Um, I think it's all my gems, uh, GMs for this week. And um, yeah, we'll be back same time next week.
Peace. Soon as we were about to start doing Shoot Your Shot and our extra bits, I just got some breaking news from Pleacher. And so this thing, this segment, I will ask Wildy directly. Uh, Wildy, Hawks fire Lloyd Pierce. Atlanta dismisses head coach after a 14-20 start to the season. Thoughts? Well, that was the big narrative going into the season, wasn't it? Um, you know, they had front office and head coaching on the hot seat for if we weren't making the playoffs. And, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, you wouldn't have to necessarily wait to the end of the season to know that it's not turned out the way we wanted it to. Uh, we obviously had that great start and it hasn't gone the right way. We've obviously had some some injuries, um, but so have a lot of teams. Other teams have been able to adapt due to coaching. We haven't. So, look, Lloyd Pierce is a great guy. Uh, he was at the forefront uh, of the movement and the Black Lives Matter. He did so much. Uh, he's doing so much for that, sorry, um, that, that he's a great guy. But if he's not winning the amount of games that the organization wants, it's much easier to get a new coach than to refigure a team. Um, so, hey, let's see we get in to uh, replace him and uh, move forward. That was going to be my next question. Um, it seems in the NBA that there's always an assistant coach ready and waiting and primed for a job. Yeah. Um, but then you've also got a lot of previous head coaches who may not who may not have got a second opportunity. The, the one that always springs to mind is Mark Jackson. How has Mark Jackson still not got another job since he's left Golden State? Wondering who you think could potentially be an option at head coach, whether it would be another assistant or a head coach in the in the standings. Well, just, just quickly on the Mark Jackson thing, um, you know, Mark Jackson obviously coached Steph Curry and Clay Thompson when they were younger. Um, so that would be a nice wrinkle to see if he could, you know, utilize him in the same way he did Curry back in the day to help develop him further, uh, along with having Rondo in his ear in terms of his pass selection versus shot selection. Um, but, you know, we shouted out the assistant coach over in Portland last week um, in terms of him not getting... Uh, the job uh, I'm blanking um, what job did Minnesota Dane tweeted oh, about yeah. yeah thank you he is the Timberwolves he's the current Timberwolves assistant he was on Portland and that's why I never tweeted out uh, but he is he's the current Timberwolves assistant fine well that would be interesting um, you know he's he's obviously not waiting around for anything in you know over in Minnesota um, not like he's holding on to anything there so you could come over have a nice young core uh, and yeah the only way would be up really from where we're at at the moment you're missing out someone as well the hawks assistant yeah. coach is nate mcmillan yeah so you're talking about next person up he's coach for the pacers yeah. has a good reputation it's back it's Ladies and gentlemen, after a short break, our favourite segment is back, and we have got two marquee matchups for you right now. So the first matchup, I will be hosting the question, and it will be Lancashire Lambeer versus One Bar Wildy. You know, excellent, excellent. Let's let's get to it. I've got the timer. You know, we're we're not we're not using the edge strategy and uh, having our own timer as you did before. <laughs> so I have my own timer um, if I want. Prick. 
it's fighting words, it's fighting talks. It's lucky, it's lucky I'm not judging Ed's uh, category, but yeah. Ed's, he, Ed's he'll be like, I'm top of the table. I have a timer for one. <laughs> so I'm star player. <laughs> okay, so I will let you know who goes first. So the question was, Kyrie spoke out about how the NBA logo should be changed from Jerry West, Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. Uh, who do you think should be the new NBA logo if they changed it? So I am going to go with Wildy first. Okay. Count you down. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So I'm a bit of a curveball here. In my opinion, um, I don't know why it has to be one person. Um, Adam Silver has not been shy about making dramatic changes and breaking tradition. It's the National Basketball Association to have Jerry West in the center, you have Kobe Bryant on one side, and then for the national, national side of it, you get Dirk Nowitzki silhouette shooting a jump shot. Um, I really like all three of those images because they're all really iconic. The reason why Jerry West was picked originally was not because he was a big star, but because the photo resembled um, the elegance and powerful uh, image of basketball. So it was just a coincidence that Jerry West happened to be a really good player at the time as well. Um, so I like the idea of having three people in there uh, instead of just one um, and highlighting the national side of things as the game continues to grow globally, having somebody as iconic as Dirk. Time. Um, in okay, interesting. Matt, are we ready to go? Lack and load? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. So I had to think about what a logo is all about. And a logo is about showing the image of the sport and the league and which player transformed the image and the culture of the league the most in recent years? And my answer is the answer, Alan Iverson. So he was obviously first um, pick in the draft, rookie of the year, 11 times All-Star, winning the All-Star MVP twice, obviously a league MVP in 2001, and he's probably the most got, got the most iconic look with his cornrows and his headband. If you can incorporate that onto the NBA logo, that would be so fucking sick. And everyone knows the impact he's had on the game. And it would be great just to show that on the logo of the league. Way to play to your audience. Golly. Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, this. Uh, I have no complaints. This week, last week, he said that Bede Simmons, best duo in the league. Now he's talking about AI. Whew. Okay, cool. So we have... Kobe Bryant was born in Philadelphia. <laughs> Time is up, so... You've had <laughs> your time's up, right? So we've got Wildy talking about three influences to Jerry West, Kobe, and Dirk versus AI. The answer, okay. As much as I love Alan Iverson and what he's done for the game, I'm going with the answer which I think probably will happen, and that is the three three legends on the logo. Um, I think that's a really nice piece about Iverson because so many he he's such an inspiration to so many players. But I, I feel like the recognition he gets, he gets a lot of slander because of like what his image was and what he did off the court. Um, but with the point about the cornrows, I don't know how they could fit that into the logo. Um, I like the idea of like the crossover. But when you started talking about the, the cornrows, I was like, mm, I, I don't see how they can transition that compared that with like a dirt fadeaway which is on the Dallas Mavs court that's um 
that's something I could see them really doing it because they love talking about European players and the growth of the game. So that's what, who I'm picking. But yeah, thank you both. And Matt, special thank you for picking up Iverson whenever he's mentioned another. Yeah, great. On that point, okay, actually, I, I would like to see the the players do a vote on who they think they should do it. I think that would be a nice input, a nice touch from the NBA. And I think it would be a nice way. It's like maybe every 20, 30 years or maybe every 50 years, every generational player that you could ask the players. Yeah, we'd like have a... to get the retired players in as well. Because mm. like for someone like Kareem with the skyhook, he's probably being slept on a bit there. Like that's a seriously iconic shot. Obviously, unfortunately, there's not many people old enough to remember it, but. I guess the thing with the NBA logo is just so iconic that you may just not want to change it just because it's just so synonymous with the brand. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they should do the um, Iverson step over if I had to choose one. Oh, poor Tyler! Oh, you get two players oh, in the logo. <laughs> There's only one player in that logo with a chip. There's only one player in that logo with a chip. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how many chips do the Orlando Magic have? We're an right, expansion so franchise. Moving swiftly on, actually, to a very good, very <laughs> yeah. good, very yeah. good transition. Yeah. Also, another point: don't get the fans to vote for it because I'm sure they put Zaza Petulia on the logo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's go to the second matchup. Jordan, you're hosting this one. Take it away. Awesome. So, as we mentioned about championships, there are still quite a few teams in the NBA who haven't won a championship yet. My question is: out of those teams. Who do you think should have won a championship by now? So who would like to go first? You take it. Sweet. Off you go. Three, That's two, one. Time. Alex already said it. It's Ed's own Orlando Magic. Uh, they're a young <laughs> franchise. They've been around for 30 years. They're not the youngest, but uh, they, they haven't been around that long compared to others. Um, they've had two goes at it not only to get to the finals, but with franchise players. One, who was a top 10 all-time player in Shaq, and the second time around with Dwight Howard and the cast they had there, they had two goes at it. They weren't going up against any dynasties. They managed to get in between the Jordan years, and then they managed to miss the Warriors. They were, they were just kind of before the Celtics, actually ended up knocking off the Celtics before they got really good. So they haven't had to go up against any all-timers, and in that in those finals, they they knocked off some serious teams, and overall are one and seven. Like they should they should have done better. They should have had one, especially with that that ninety five team: Shaq, Penny, Horace Grant, Nick Anderson, and Dennis Scott. Like unbelievable. Ed's trying to interrupt. Ed tried to interrupt. He was like, oh, shit, okay, shoot your shot. I can't do that. If I speak, I'm in trouble. If I speak, I'm in trouble, so. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Okay, oh, very good point. Very good point. I loved Ed's reaction throughout this. He hit him. He hit him where it hurt, bro. He hit him where it Honestly. hurt. He put the dagger right in his heart. Oh, oh gosh. Okay, you ready, Ed? Of course. <laughs> For the cat back. Um, time starts in three, two, one, go. So there are only four teams in the NBA to make the finals twice without winning the ring. Orlando's one of them. 
And the team I'm choosing is another one of them. And funny enough, actually, along with Orlando, this team are the only teams to have been in the finals in two separate eras. And they've also been to the conference, uh, to the championship round nine times. That's seven most in the NBA and most without ever winning a chip as well. And that team is the Phoenix Suns. And they have some heartbreaking, heartbreaking history. So let's quickly start off. In 1975, they made the finals against the, well, they made the finals and they were up 3-2 and they lost a, th a three overtime game um, in game six of that finals. And they then went on to lose that final game. In 1979, in the Western Conference Finals, they were up against Seattle and they lost game six by one point and game seven by four points. Seattle went on and handily dealt with Washington. Another heartbreaking loss for them that year. In 1993, the finals, John Paxton hit a th What? Was it that quickly? Yeah. How long do we have? 30 seconds or a minute? A minute? That was a full minute. Fucking hell. That's a little bit earlier and it was quicker. Say no more. I had a lot more to say. <laughs> Good man, you got a tough decision here, boy. Yeah, I know. Um, two very good arguments. Um, one listing off the appearances, um, which as to the performance, and the other listing off star players with that. Um, oh, um, oh man, why do I always get the tough ones? Why do you Jeez. always make us wait? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's like X Factor, man. Wait, it's 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 wait. McCall, like... wait for the judgment. Um, and we'll be back and answer after the break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after the break. Um, you may still so be charged. Voting think... <laughs> <laughs> lines are now closed. Do not call the number. In no particular order. <laughs> Please remember, viewers, this is a recording. The lines have now closed. <laughs> do, you, do you know what's so funny about you may be charged? You definitely will be charged. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a I don't know if you saw, you may. Hey. <laughs> Come on. Um, for me, though, I think I'm going to give it to Ed for the Phoenix Suns. That would have been a double whammy if I lost that as well. <laughs> I thought I played it perfectly. Yeah. You, you did, and I thought that was a tough one. I was thinking, yeah, he's definitely going to win. But students, Ed started, even though he didn't get all his points out, I think the appearances and the losses aided in that. So that's my overall decision there. It's actually a really fun topic to research. I really yeah. enjoyed that looking well, at I spent it. I spent ages looking looking at Tim. As I remembered, I was thinking about that all day. How 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 could I make this work? I was and I thought, yeah, that's definitely gonna be. It was really I mean, you could have talked, you could have spoken about Nick Anderson's missed free throws. If you just spoke about that, that would have been the absolute killer. And I just been like, mm. ugh. Now that now that he's won, can I just be a real nerd and just ask Ed to finish his argument? Yeah. So, Is that okay? Yeah, so in 75. Uh, they're up 3-2, lost a triple overtime game in game six, um, which is, you can imagine that. 79, again, as I said, against Seattle, lost game six by one point and game seven by four points. In 1993... Who's on, who's on like, 75? Are there any names that we're going to know? There was no one big. There was no one particularly that big, but... Um, I guess in the 70s, the 70s wasn't exactly the golden era for... Oh, a long diluted league, yeah. In 1993, John Paxton hit that three for the Bulls in game six. Um, if he missed that, it would have gone to game seven in Phoenix. Tough. 
94 and 95, seven game series both years against Houston, who obviously went back to back those years in the semis. Um, oh, it just feels so frustrating. They lose to the team that wins. And then you go to the 2000s. They made the conference finals three years. Two of those times, the win, uh, the team they lost to won it. And there was obviously the game against San Antonio where Steve Nash got body checked. And, oh, it, was the, and it was the first time they had that rule where if you come off the... If, even if you stand up from the bench, you get suspended and had so many players suspended for the following game. So there was just a lot of heartbreak Phoenix have had throughout the years. And they're longer, they've been around longer than the Magic have. They're, they're a historic franchise. Yeah. The line that you have to cross, like, is impossible not to cross if you stand up because their feet are like size 15. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so unfair. Oh, dumb. Another one that I was thinking about was obviously like the Kings getting robbed in that Lakers series. Like, yeah, they've won one. They've won a chip before. Oh, have they? Oh, yeah, man. Sacramento Royals. Yeah, the, yeah sec, sec, when they were in Sacramento Royals, yeah, they've won one. And it's Jeez. mad when you think about it. I was looking down the list and it's like, oh, the Raptors. Oh, yeah, the Raptors won one because they hired Kawhi for half a season. Like, <laughs> how mental is that? Um, yeah. Oh, let's not speak about that. I, I thought <laughs> I thought um I thought you would have gone for Utah. I think Utah is probably the most obvious <laughs> one because they came up against Jordan. But then but then yeah, but then obviously they had a great team, but like that's like the Jordan that was at all time. So I, I don't think I could really you can't really say you expect Stockton alone to knock off Jordan. Like that's a big ask. And they haven't had any like with the ones we mentioned, they've had multiple goes at it. Like there hasn't been exactly. another era, I think, for, for Utah. Right. So that so we got wins for oh my god, I've put L in the thing. I'm so sorry. In the Google Doc, I've put an L instead of a W. Sorry, guys. So Wildy and Ed have got wins for shoot your shot, which is great. Uh, really good discussions on both ones. We're gonna head to back to back. And we haven't done this in quite a while, and I won't be partaking. The last time we did back-to-back, we did best basketball movies, and it is literally a round-robin in a sense of people keep going until they don't have any answers. But I will be hosting this round because I've done some research. So, do you guys want to know the category? Yep. All right. The category, and we're going to start from bottom to top. So, Bray, you will go first, and it will loop back round to you after Ed. So I'll make sure I get the leaderboard up so I know the order. So the category is NBA players that have rele- released rap songs. Oh, right. Okay. So is it current players? One, current. It's, no, it's past and present. You, okay. you can have past as well. Um, once a player is chosen, they are off that list. Yep. Um, if they, if you do say a player and it's not on my board, I can obviously check it. Uh, but yeah, we'll do it one by one. So Bray, uh, you, you're serving. Lovely. Uh, I'll go with Damian Lillard. That's a he is right at the top of my list. Thank you. Okay. Yep, that is on the list. Right. Um, Matt, you're up. Shaq. Yeah. Nickname Shaq Diesel. That was his album. Very good. Oh, and also with Damian Lillard, he's released three albums. Uh, Big Dollar confirmed and the letter O. There you go. Uh, Wildy, you are third. AI. That is correct. AI. 
his rap, his rap, well, no, his album actually didn't get released. It got banned because of the NBA, like the NBA banned it. But he released a song called 40 Bars. Uh, George. No, I can't remember if it was uh, purely just singing or rapping. And I'm taking a major gamble here to, <laughs> to stay in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, if he that's released one. yeah, that is that is correct. Well done. Here's a song with Tyra Banks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Ed. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go for the easy one. So let's just get Lonzo out the way. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, album Born to Ball. Okay. Right, it's back at you. That's good. I, I was actually—I didn't think we were going to last first round. Yeah, so this is one round. This is where my knowledge is running thin, and I had a really niche one that I really wanted to save um, because I—I I think not many people know this, but Ron Artest. Yeah, that's correct. Ah, wow, well, I didn't have him. I didn't have him. Of course, he did. So he—he he, he had an that's album. A world he had a album called Diamond Wave. You can check it out on Spotify, and he obviously has the song Champions, which is in the 2K. Uh, I think 2K10. Yeah, okay, so we're back at Mr. Harris. Uh, probably go KG. I'd be so surprised. He did have one, didn't he? On my list. I swear I've heard it in a podcast, he had it. Don't think so. Oh, well. He's not on my list, you know. No, check it. Google it quick. I'm Googling it. It's not here. But he is featured in the Lonely Island song, uh, I'm on a boat. I'm oh. on a boat. He's oh, got right. Yeah. On, honestly, there's, a, there's, there's another here. player who still plays in the league who's on a boat in somebody's... in. A DJ Khaled music video. Can you tell me who that player is? I know it is. I got it. I know, oh, you, no. I know you have it. I, don't, I <laughs> have no idea. Tyler? Tyler Hero? You man, man. <laughs> yeah. It's Hassan Whiteside. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Sorry, we have to man. say goodbye to Mr. Harris. Uh, oh, you're up. So... I don't know if this is the right genre, so I'm probably out. But Westbrook. It's not on my list. I don't think you have one. I was sure. Oh no! It's Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Westbrook, in, but I'm not even going to respond about Kyrie Irving. Wildy, I have to say goodbye to you because that Russell Westbrook does not have a song. Go. Uh, okay, we, we move. We move on. We're down to sorry, three. I, I thought that would still get. I thought I'd still get through. I, I'm sorry if I took a pick there, guys. No, he didn't respond we'll, to we'll it. Have to, we'll, so, we'll have to find out. We'll yeah. find out. So I can either gamble with what I've got, or or, or trust Wildy's mind game. Do you trust? Unless he's just set me up. <laughs> this is his revenge play. I, I can feel it. And I'm going to fall for it. I'm going to go Kyrie Irving. I'm going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyrie Irving has a song called Ridiculous, which is on the Uncle Drew uh, album. It's actually pretty good. Pretty good song. I liked it. Uh, okay. Ed, we're back at you. <laughs> so 
So I've got a couple of obvious names, but I just want to get the ones I'm 100% sure about. And I believe Chris Webber does have an album because they made fun of his album cover when he's just there shirtless. So Chris Webber. Yeah, that is correct. He has a corruption called Gangster Gangster. Yeah. And Bray, we're back at you. Oh, this is tough. Um, I don't know who I go for. I don't know whether to go for like someone, like a young guy who I think might have done it or like someone really old school, like, like Chris Weber. Uh, is Jamie Rose on there? I think so. Is that your answer? Yeah. You can't you can't just be like, ooh, test it out. It doesn't work like that. You've got to toe. Toe. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You're going with Jalen Rose. I'll go with Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose, no. Wow. Jalen Rose is not on here. He's, in, he's cool cool enough to be in music videos, but knows his knows his talents. <laughs> yeah. So without we're, we're down to two and um, teams that have been getting wins are in the top two again. Uh, uh, George, you're up. Okay, so uh, originally when you said this, I know you were saying rap, so I was thinking like Lillard and Oladipo, but I know Oladipo isn't rap, so that's a shame. So I'm just going to have to go old now and take a stab at it, and I'm going to go with Tracy McGrady. Oh, that's not a bad shout. That is a good shout. Yeah. Not in my list. Jordy doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. Oh, doesn't have it. He oh. doesn't have it. Can I give you so, some of my remainders? Uh, no. You got to give me your first answer. Okay. Uh, well, I definitely know Lance Stevenson's got a music video with him and the Charlotte Hornets top doing um, uh, doing uh, rap over Bobby Schmurder's song. I know that. I know that's a fact. I don't. Yeah, he's taking it. Yeah. Very good. Nice. Well played. Very good. He's taking it. Yeah. Hot. You know. Oh, the word. I don't know. I will. I, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go through my list. So Damien Lillard. Yeah. I've got Iman Shumpert. Yeah. He's got his own mixtape. Yeah. Lou Will did a freestyle. I'm a boss. Uh, Meta World Peace. Shaq. Kobe. Tony Park, Tony Parker has a full album called TP, wow. which features Jamie Foxx. <laughs> uh, Dwight Howard did a all-star album called Shoot for the Stars. Basically, the, it's it's so bad. It, it, it's he literally like rips off famous songs. But yeah, uh, LeBron is on this. LeBron's there. No, I'll show you. LeBron's on there. LeBron and KD did a song together called. Um, it ain't yeah. easy because KD, uh, fired a shot at, KD fired a shot at Skip Bayless in that song, didn't he? I think so. Um, yeah, it's been brought up. Yeah. Ja- JaVel McGee actually um, produced and wrote on Justin Bieber's latest album, but he had a self titled album called, well, he had an album called Pierre. Uh, Andre Drummond, Aaron Gordon, Marvin Bagley, Cedric Sabalos, uh, Marquis Daniels, Dana Barros. Brian Shaw and Gary Payton. That's my list. Isn't Aaron Gordon like nine out of ten? Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's basically about the dunk contest. Yeah. He raps about dunk contest. Also had yeah. uh, Stephen Jackson as one. I think Stephen Jackson may have also released an album. 
he did talk about it in a, in the pod, mm. didn't he? Uh, how they did, yeah, he recorded a verse. But yeah, that's um. Oh yeah, he does a song. Cool. Is it, um that's all I had. Yeah. Well Talented bunch. And I was either gonna say Metal World Peace or Tracy McGrady as well. Yeah. And I switched it. Um I remember Metal was already taken. Yeah. What yeah, I, yeah. I said I said it because I I I know he was on TK eleven, that's but that's the only one I know. Yeah, so that wraps up back to back. We've got Ed taking the the win. A lot of um a lot of artists uh, dabbled into rap. Some are good, most are pretty bad. Uh, but definitely go come out if you can. Um, and yeah, we will we'll be back next week with more of um, the fun stuff you shot. Uh, Ed's got a new segment called Step Up to the Line that we'll be featuring, and we'll be talking about two more divisions. So until then, it is over and out. Ciao. Peace. Peace.